Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. This morning we're continuing with our series on Joseph. And today we pick off immediately where Andy left us last week. So that was where Joseph lands in prison. And today our reading's coming from Genesis chapter 40. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in custody of his lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said, behold, in my dream, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed them in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. Three branches of three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show me kindness, make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that should put me in the dungeon. When the chief baker saw the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost baskets were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets of three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now, it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the baker again among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And this is the word of the Lord. To begin with, I want to take us all back a few short years, or perhaps maybe what feels a lot longer, like a lifetime ago, to actually an experience we all lived through, to a time when we had the first lockdown announced. Yeah, it's a COVID 
illustration. What was billed as a short, sharp snap to break the circuit, it turned into months. We were told to faithfully abide by restrictions, mask up, limit interactions, kids off school. And to be fair, that was the hardest for me. I lasted two weeks at home and one conference called failure to mute my mic for the whole operations managers to know the names of my lads really well. <laughs> and then the kids were told to sanitize their skin away when they went back to school. And they looked like horror movie extras. The hands were red and all sore and dry. The leaders said, the sooner we follow the guidance, the sooner it will be over. We didn't know how long it was going to last, nor did they, if they were honest. And we didn't know when it would be back, but we were all called to follow this civil faithfulness, one which our leaders appeared on TV every night, the free, the freedom behind the electings, telling us, showing us graphs, everything they were doing. But they were found to come up short in their own restrictions. Time, it seemed, made it difficult for even them to stay faithful to what they were telling everybody else to do. And for many of us, maybe this morning we feel like we're out the other side of COVID. But how did it feel as we went through it? Were we uncertain about our job? We were isolated and cut off from friends and family. Perhaps it was a more positive time for us in our lives. We were able to reassess life and what we were doing. Maybe it was time to slow down to grow deeper with God, perhaps. We came through, even we maybe came through that time unscathed, but since or before, we find ourselves seemingly abandoned with a very different set of problems. Perhaps even now, you're in that place. Lost job, relationships broken, perhaps we've been slandered and accused. The prison for us seems very real around us. And here in our chapter today, at the beginning, we read in verse 1, some time later, and in verse 23, we end with, the chief butler, however, did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Nearly three years in prison for an offence he didn't commit, we could, if we are those who know the end of the story, just write these years off. It all came good in the end, is a common phrase that we like to use. All of us have our ups and downs, these light and momentary troubles, and that is all true. But, and it's all meant as well-meaning and really important for us as we walk through things, but that's not how we feel as we're walking through the moment. We wonder how long it's gonna last. And, the, and this passage with Joseph in prison is here to teach us how to walk in times when life feels unjust and feels like we're at rock bottom. It's here to teach us how to prepare as well for what will be thrown at us and how to respond as followers of Jesus. And there's four brief points I want to bring this morning. Joseph, one is Joseph maintained his integrity. The second is that he remembered God and his gifting. He spoke the truth. And finally, restoration took time. So the first point, Joseph maintained his integrity. We read in verse 4, and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. This shows us so much about Joseph. He was in such an unjust position, and he's not there looking to lead a prison riot or an escape. He does want out, but he doesn't want to do it in a dishonorable way that 
that that looks bad on him, but also God. He's not agitating and speaking ill of those around him. We don't read of him slagging Potiphar off or being, being horrible about Potiphar's wife. He's living with injustice. But he's also been landed with trust of these two high-ranking officials as Pharaoh's court. And it goes on for, time, for some time. But Joseph is still faithful and he's still keeping the same level of service as he did at the start. So when the time comes for the dreams, Joseph's in a position where he's able to speak into that and he's allowed to speak. How he's conducted himself up to that point makes it possible to speak and to be listened to. So let's pause for a second and think about this. Right, I know there might be some Man United fans in here this morning hurting. So if I have £100, would any United fans put on this Liverpool shirt? What if it was for £10,000? Yeah, £10,000. <laughs> well, quite a while ago, a survey was conducted in the USA where they offered them £10 million. And they, $10 million, sorry, yeah, they, they, they left us a long time ago. <laughs> and, and this survey found out that 25% would abandon their church for $10 million. 16% would even give up their citizenship. Now, since Trump and everything else, that number might have increased, but who knows. <laughs> and 10% and of them said they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. See, in the above examples, money showed these people's motivations. Their character for, what they were go for where they were with church or with telling the truth or for their identity with who they said they belonged to as, as, as a nation, they gave that up for for this cash. The integrity vanished at the first opportunity. And for Joseph, freedom meant so much more. Yet, he, yet we don't see him compromising in that way. And no matter where we're at, the reality of our identity, if we say we follow Jesus, should be seen and prevail through all of our circumstances. And I'm not saying that's easy. It's really hard. And sometimes giving up feels easier. But the path of discipleship leads us to moments where we have to choose. And it can be so much rewarding whether we realise it sooner or later and we can look back and see that we did maintain our integrity and our character, even with the tears and the pain and the joy and the happiness. We can see that we walked with God, holding on to him, and yes, we even question, we look for ways out, but we look for it in the right way. Joseph does push the door. He does say to the butler, remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. And make mention of me to Pharaoh, for I was stolen out of the house. I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and I have done nothing that they should put me here. But he trusted God and he stayed true and he served also, next point, he remembers God and his gifting. So verse 8 says, they each had a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. So this is linked to point one, but now we're, going, we're now looking at it from what God has given Joseph. Joseph had been given dreams as a young man. 
and we, read, we found earlier on in the story, he'd had two big dreams which involved his family. And his family really didn't like them. And it was these dreams that also led him partly to being in Egypt. His brothers despised the fact that he'd said that they were going to bow down to him. And now that he's in prison, knowing about these dreams, it could have been really easy for Joseph to just stay quiet. Because after all, he was here because of, partly because of that. But that didn't change what God had given him as a gift. He had dreams, he could interpret them. He could have just said to them when he walked in in the morning and he said, oh, we're really sad, why? He'd gone, well, you know, maybe scratched his head for, for a second and gone, I hope you sleep better tonight. I'm sorry to hear that that's happened to you. Or, or, or he could have said, dreams can be so messy and complicated. Wouldn't it be great if they never happened? He could have looked for excuses. He could have, he could have tried to just let it all slip away. After all, Joseph is a prisoner just like them. He's lower ranked. He's a foreigner and a slave. But rather than hide what God has given him, even in these hard times, Joseph believes and speaks. Because God, because Joseph believed God spoke in dreams and only God could give the answer. And now I've got an example of something like this from what we see from NASA and space probes. And this was the 1970s, so it's before my time. Um, but uh, NASA launched a probe in the 70s called Pioneer 10. And its goal was to reach Jupiter and take photos and come back. And not come back because they couldn't, but take photos, get some data. It was daring because it had not been done before. No one had ever gone past Mars. No one had gone through the asteroid belt. They thought it was all going to get blown up and destroyed. There was a simple 8-watt transmitter in that. Now, that transmitter is not even 8 watts. That's the best one I could find, and that's 10 watts. So just for those who maybe know a bit more about electronics than I do, yeah, that's a 10 watt. <laughs> so this, this transmitter was about as much power as a nightlight. And that's what the probe was powered by. But the probe achieved its first goal. It sailed past Jupiter, took the photos, did what it needed to do. It did what it was designed for. But then it carried on going, and it took photos of Saturn and Neptune and Pluto, were all photographed. In the late 90s, as it neared the, which is my time, as it neared the edge of our solar system, that 8-watt transmitter was still doing what it was designed to do. But it wasn't qualified to do it, but it was still doing it. It had only been given a useful life for three years. But it kept going and going and going. By simple longevity, that simple 8-watt transmitter accomplished more than anyone thought was possible. And so it is with ourselves when we come to serve God. God can work through us even when we think we've got just the simple power of 8 watts. But he, doesn't work. he cannot work through people who quit. But Joseph doesn't quit. And he doesn't see prison as a place to hide or to give up on what he has been given. Rather, he's bold and he goes to what has triggered him. Well, it's triggered much of his brother's hostility towards him in the first place. The dreams. Joseph wasn't much and he didn't have much to offer. After all, he was a foreign slave in a foreign prison and he's serving other prisoners. All he could do was interpret two dreams and wait and see what would happen. And so it is with us. God calls us to keep going, to keep doing the simple acts of service, to keep being faithful to him 
and who he's called us to be. We can feel like an eight watt transmitter, not much power out in the cold and darkness and emptiness of space like that, like that was. But our, limitedness, our limitedness may be precisely what God uses for his glory. Out in the cold and the dark, yet still doing what God has called and asked us of us. As we move on, Joseph spoke the truth regardless of the outcome. <laughs> Verses 18 and 19 state, the free baskets are three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh from you. See, the butler's dream was a really nice message to share. A really nice message. And it was positive for the butler. You're going to get your old job back and be restored. And it's easy to give that good news and nice words. The baker's dream was far from easy to communicate. Rather than being elevated and restored, Joseph's got to tell the baker, look, Pharaoh's going to execute you and you've only got three days. And we know that the baker had expected some positive news. He's just heard the butler be told something. But at the start of the chapter, we even say that there's two different interpretations of these dreams. We're told that there's an interpretation for the butler and an interpretation for the baker. And Joseph presents the message of God. He doesn't know how the baker will react. Instead, he believes God and spoke the truth. See, leading into the Second World War in Germany, there was a theologian and a pastor called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he was a spoken critic of Nazism from the early days. And he called for the churches to stand for truth, stand against the incursion of the state into the life of the church. Preach what we tell you was what Hitler's regime wanted it to be. Be a political mouthpiece. Do as we say. Say what we want you to say. Eventually, Bonhoeffer would work during the war and pass information to the resistance. And that was a treasonable offence, and he was arrested and imprisoned in Flossenburg in 1943. And just two weeks before the Americans liberated the camp in April 45. In April 45, Bonhoeffer was executed, and two weeks later, the Americans came and liberated the camp. Truth came at a very real cost to Bonhoeffer. Yet Bonhoeffer remained true and would not back down to what God had called him to do, which was stand against evil. That might not be how our truth, where we have to stand for truth, but that can come at a cost to us. But that doesn't change what truth is. The truth is still the truth. Even when all around us, it seems like no one's believing it. So what do we see? Joseph was truthful when the baker's life depended on it. Bonhoeffer was truthful even when his life depended on it. Yes, how we deliver truth is really important. It's not like we should be railing against people and hate placards and everything else. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not, that's not what the Bible gives us. That's not the whole from front to end. We are called to be faithful to the word of God and to love those around us and to show them Jesus. And 
going back 10 years from my own experience, I had a, a colleague in work, I just started this job and we were having a chat one day and I said, I go to church and I believe that we all go, that, that, that is heaven and hell. And she goes to me, John, who goes to hell? I thought, oh, okay. This one, who goes to hell? This is the easy first question, as I later found out. So I said, well, I believe, the, I believe what the Bible says. If we, if we follow Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior and the work of, the work of what he did on the cross, then we go to heaven. If we reject that, we go to hell. I thought I'd passed at this point. I thought, right, this is the conversation over. And then the sucker punch second question comes, John, am I going to hell? I took a second. How do I respond to this? I've now been put right on the spot. And I, I remember thinking, and I just, these simple words came out, I go back to my first answer. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for your sin, then you will go to heaven. If you reject, then you will. And the, the, the silence in the room, because this was an office of about five or six other people, the, the silence was there for a while. But truth, I couldn't then, I'd already laid out my, my first answer, then the second answer can't change. Truth was still the truth. Point four, restoration took time. Yes, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Joseph had asked the butler to remember him when he got out. We don't know this, but perhaps Joseph thought the butler would go straight to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, you know, there's this guy in prison. He can interpret dreams. He's really good at it. Perhaps Joseph wanted justice against the false accusations brought against him. But instead, the narrative tells us the butler forgot Joseph. The butler's now busy with restoring his life. He needs to get his position back. For three days, he's not been there. The junior butlers are probably all jumping to say, who can be Pharaoh's new, new chief? The butler's trying to get his position back. Perhaps the butler even thought, Joseph's interpretation means nothing to me now. Yeah, it's a good story. I was in a dark place. I was in prison. It's just a coincidence that, that he had this dream, that I had this dream and now this has happened. Perhaps he thought as well, Pharaoh's not going to get rid of his chief butler and his chief baker at the same time. Is he one of us? It was a 50-50 and I've just fell the right side of it. The Hebrew got lucky, perhaps, he thought, if he remembered him at all, if he remembered anything at all. So Joseph was to stay in prison for two more years. He's out of sight and he's out of mind. Forgotten by man, and perhaps to others and us looking in at times, and maybe even in Joseph's own dark thoughts, he maybe thought, maybe it feels like God's forgotten me too. But 100 years ago, there was a psychologist who did studies on memory. And he came up and showed us how memory weakens over time. And the biggest drop-off he found in memory was between naught and three days. So in verse 20, we read, it was three days afterwards that it was Pharaoh's birthday. That was the biggest drop off in time. And yeah, I'm using it as something later on, but it just shows us how our memories deteriorate. Our retention drops quickly after learning. It's easier to remember things that have meaning to us. It's like the butler ultimately wasn't interested in Joseph. 
Joseph had no meaning to him. He just wanted his job back. He wanted it back. So how can we apply this about forgetting and about being forgotten? Is that we need reminding of what God has done for us, through Jesus. Do we feel forgotten by others in what we have to offer, in what we have done in the past? Have we forgotten who we are in Jesus? Have we been hurt and damaged by life so much that we feel too long has passed for us to do anything meaningful? We've cried out as the psalmist cries, how long, O Lord, how long? But instead, we find all these years later, the illness is still with us. The relationships are still broken. Our finances are no better. Yet in it all, we see from Joseph that he conducted himself the right way. He had to wait nearly three years from being put in the prison. And we'll find out in coming weeks about what happens after, after this prison stage. But we're called to the same thing. We're called to remain faithful, even if we do feel as though we're forgotten. Yeah, jo Joseph walks so well, but he's still a human like us. He's got his own failings, he's got his own sin. And yes, he provides a wonderful example of how to walk through trials. He doesn't compare to Jesus, who provides a greater example. Jesus knows what he's been sent to do and doesn't stop. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, under such stress, as he's praying, drops of blood are coming down and he's crying out to his father, yet not my will, but yours be done. The writer to the Hebrews tells us why in that wonderful passage in chapter 12, verse one we read, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that joy is having the people who follow him, who call him Lord. He endured the cross, the brutal injustice. He'd done nothing wrong. In doing so, he bore our sin so that we could stand right before the Father when we repent and declare Jesus as Lord. And he calls us to be like him in this world you will have suffering, Jesus says. But take heart, I have overcome the world. <clears throat> suffering, pain, injustice are everywhere. Jesus calls us to respond differently to the world. Even when it feels like responding that way is the easiest thing to do. So as we land, a few questions. Where are you at this morning? Are you carrying the shame of past failures when God called you to do something and you ignored it and it fell apart? Bring it to him. Shame of others, of what others have done to you and how it appears to be forgotten. Perhaps it's even that deep one of, God, have you forgotten me? I've been here all this time and I'm still in the same situation. God, why am I still there? And none of our questions are invalid. In fact, God wants our honesty. He wants us to call on him, to bring it to him. And that's part of our integrity is bringing it all to him, dealing with it all, with God, asking him why. 
the Psalms are our rich book of being of, of asking God, why am I in this place? But yet, God, I still trust you. I will still walk, but why am I here? Help me, God, get me out of this. But I know you're still there. Where are we at? To bring our pleas to God and to lay them down at his feet and to wait. We don't know how long our waiting is going to be, but we are called to wait on the Lord. Yes, to repent, also to repent where we know we've got it wrong, where we've maybe not said the right thing and done the right thing. To ask God to help us to keep going. To reveal to us how he sees us. If we feel like we have forgotten who he is and what he's done for us. And that we would see his heart for us, even when everything looks the opposite.